Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, welcome to Ghostman Radio Station. And tonight, my guest is Mitch Graff. He's Mitch. He's a best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, international, renowned business speaker, two-time nationally syndicated radio show host, and former all-American track and field athlete. He's been a passionate serial for over 35 years. You can know what I say. He's an American uh, Dragon's Den, if you ever watch American's Den, anybody is listening. But, um, He's done a lot. He's from uh, along the way. He's for selling lemonade to third grade, selling bikes to his, uh, at his garage to seventh grade, to running for companies today for priding himself on knowing how to squeeze every drop of potential out of endeavours. In the middle of all this, he took the year off from running his own company to become the president, Class A affiliated of the world champion San Francisco Giants baseball team. For the season and undertook the organizational reband that culminated in a 12% increase in attendance, one of the best in all of professional baseball in 2019. And what I know about baseball, I can write on the back of a cent, US cent coin. So that's as much as I know about baseball, that Mitch. But tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to be an author, podcaster, and general. Good guy. Oh, man. It makes it sound like I'm just overly busy. But, uh, yeah, my journey's been one of, of failures and successes and more failures. And, yeah, the, the funny story about that San Francisco Giants affiliate that I became the president of for one year, uh, I'm a huge baseball fan. And here in the United States, that's one of our best pastimes, just watching guys hit uh, a ball with a bat and people catch it and throw it. And it's just it's a pretty simple game, but it's very relaxing. It's very Americana. So I've been a Los Angeles Dodger fan since I, before I can remember. And so the San Francisco Giants are actually the, the bitter rivals of the Dodgers. And so when, about three and a half years ago, I was bored, believe it or not, Mark, with everything I was doing. And at the time, I had only one syndicated radio show, and I had three companies, and I was plenty busy. The one thing you did mention in my bio is daddy of three. And to me, that's the most important job. Uh, that I have. I'm, I just turned 60. I have a 16, 14, and 7-year-old uh, kid, so it keeps me young. If nothing else, it keeps my uh, 60-year-old mind inside of a 12-year-old body, so I can play wrestling with my kids at night, and play catch with my son, and uh, it keeps me young. But anyway, my journey started way back when I was, uh, like you said, third grade selling lemonade. Everyone else on my block, all my friends were selling lemonade for a quarter but I sold it for 50 cents, but I gave you a free cookie. And I had a little table out there that had chairs and a tablecloth and a candle. And I also had an AM radio, and I still have the radio to this day. It doesn't work anymore, but it was round, it was green, it was ugly, but it played Dodger games. So people would pay me 50 cents for a glass of lemonade. I'd give them the lemonade, and you got a free refill. You got a free fresh-baked cookie that my mom would make, and I was getting double 
what everybody else was getting, get me for a, a glass of lemonade. And so that's when I kind of started thinking about, okay, branding is a very important part of any business. I don't care if you're selling meat, corn bricks, real estate, uh, or a fireplace insert for your condo. Branding is the most important thing that you have to start a business or to sustain a business. And so for my whole career, I've been, um, I've been working on that branding. And that one season that I was a professional uh, president of that affiliate, uh, it was the best year of my life. I was in baseball, my favorite sport, had 100-plus employees. And uh, the only downside was I was working for the San Francisco Giants, the arch rivals. But I did it for a year. COVID shut us down. And I came back to running my companies and homeschooling my kids. And uh, that brings us to where we are today. It just uh, I still am very active with my companies. I'm very active uh, in the radio market. I have two syndicated radio shows. We're on about 130 radio stations here uh, in the United States. And uh, But I, I do take a lot of time off to chill. In fact, right now, uh, I'm enjoying a little mini vacation on the coast of Oregon over here at the beach with my three kids. So I make sure I don't work too much. <laughs> You say about branding being important. As you know, it's very hard in this, what I call this very vast market now, where you are a very small fish in a very vast ocean, and you're trying to be the shark or the whale in this ocean, so you get more noticed than the little fish, if you can, if you can see what I'm going. How how how. Important is it to brainstorm an idea with someone else to say, do you think this will work? Um, I'll come up with this idea, come with that idea. So I, I'll use my ideas as an example. I came up with my podcast. I first of all called it after my where I live, which is Holmesworthy. And I thought, no, I'll use my, uh, I like to be called Ghostman. There's a story behind that, I'll tell you later. And, um, and I thought, what's catchy? And I thought, why don't I call it pop? And subtitle, popcorn for the brain, which it means you take a little bite. You might like it, so you'll come back for more. I call it spitballing. Same same concept, just a different terminology, spitballing. And that's vitally important. And it doesn't matter whether you are looking at starting a side hustle. Maybe, you, maybe you're working a 9 to 5, 40-hour 40 week for a company, and you're looking at escaping that lifestyle and doing your own thing. Or maybe you currently have a business and you're just looking to launch a new product. It's vitally important that you spitball and that you popcorn ideas with people in, in the room that are smarter than you. I've always believed that good leaders, any any industry, good leaders hire people around them that are smarter than they are. And then they stay out of their way and let them do their job. Well, those same people you can put into a room and say, hey, I got this idea for a new blue widget. And I think it's going to revolutionize the world and get people's input get their ideas on packaging and who the, the perfect avatar, meaning who the perfect customer is going to be, and write it all down because we only have so much knowledge in our brains. We really need to make sure that we are uh, a sponge to other people's opinions and angles and perspectives. And you had mentioned earlier about the ocean. There's a great book called Blue Ocean Strategy, and the, the concept is we all spend time in red ocean, same products and services, same customers, same everything, when that happens, it becomes a red ocean because there's bloodletting. You know, there's it's a, it's cutthroat, and if, if if that's the same, all things being equal, whoever is the cheapest price is going to win, right? If your product is exactly the same as everybody else's, they're going to compare price. You're going to lose that battle every single time. So the goal of any small business person or even large business person is to find blue ocean, 
in that ocean that there is competition, that it becomes irrelevant, that there's no there's no uh, button heads for, for that dollar, and then all of a sudden you can create your own niche. That's where success lies. And so if you have a business out there, look for ways that you can find or create a blue ocean. You know, Airbnb has done it in the airspace. Uber did it uh, in the taxi cab space. You look for companies that revolutionize and completely think out of the box. And I can guarantee you at one point there was a bunch of guys sitting in a room spitballing ideas on how they can make it happen. Well, I like the concept of podcasting because I still think it's the punk rock of radio. It's still in the terms you can get away with a bit more than conventional radio because obviously of conventional radio you have got constrictions of commercials and um, you have to toe the company line a little bit more. You can sort of set your own agenda for your own podcast. But um, the, I chose to go down the free route of uh, uh, putting on a free uh, podcast system because I used to pay for it. But I found the costs were sparring a little bit. And if you don't, as you know, if you're not getting that, even a little bit of money back. Your incentive to keep going when you're paying out is a little bit less than if you're doing it and you're getting fun out of it and you're getting a little bit of money because you, you're enjoying it. Obviously, if you want to scale up, I mean, obviously, it's a different thing, but I still think you have to enjoy your product to keep doing it. Well, that's the most important thing of all of our lives, isn't it? we got to Make sure that what we do, we're, we're passionate about, we enjoy it. And if that's the case, you're not going to work a single day in your entire life. I always joke that I've had one job the last 35 years, and that was when I worked for the Giants. The other 34 years, I've done my own thing, and I don't look at it as work because I love what I do. Uh, I, out of my four companies, three of them are in the food space. I own a very busy and successful catering company. I own a manufacturing company called Barbecue Nation. We're in stores all across the country and do a very brisk business online. We're going to get in some of the big box stores uh, before the end of this year. Uh, and then I have a dip mix company that when it first launched, within a year, we had 4,000 stores, grocery stores across the country that carried our product. So I know how to get an idea, give it wings, and, and help it be successful. That's the easy part, and that's where that branding comes in. But you got to love what you do. Otherwise, it's, it's work. And it's a job, and you don't look forward to getting up in the morning and starting that day. I tell you, every single day, Mark, I can't wait to get my day started. One of my first routines is I make sure I get up before the sun does, um, and that way I get to control how my day is beginning. I don't look at my device for the first hour, hour and a half, because then I'm going to be reacting to what the world wants of me. That first hour, hour and a half is Mitch time. I'm reading. I'm investing in my education, whether it be an online course or or you know, watching a video on how to improve one of my skill sets. That's how I start my day, plus with a good cup of coffee. <laughs> and I learned that from my dad. No matter what you do, it's better with a good cup of coffee. <laughs> so uh, it's like everything. When you first start, I think people can get a little bit overcomplicated. I mean, I chose to go down the easy route to do a podcast. I mean, my podcast is probably the easiest... I can do it, but it works for me. I got an MP3 play on my mobile phone. I put it on OneDrive, and I send it to uh, Red Circle Podcast. Put it on there, and I got a little uh, thing I can put it on 
through uh, straight to YouTube for another little app I use. As long as I put an image on it, I can put the uh, the image with the audio on it onto YouTube. And I find it a lot easier for myself that way. I know some people might say, well, yeah, but you may be losing sound quality, blah, blah, blah. But I think in the long run, in long the content is good and people like what you do, like you said, it doesn't really matter too much. You can always no. invest if you've got, I mean, I don't want to pay, I wouldn't advise anyone, like you probably wouldn't, like you start a business, you wouldn't pay like £10,000 straight in a business because you could lose that £10,000 straight away. You would do all your research first, wouldn't you? Well, you want to make sure that it's measured risk. So if, you're, if you are going to start a side hustle or launch a business, whether it be a service or a product, you know, and with the internet being so huge now, there's more and more people jumping into the service part of it and not physical products because there's so many moving pieces with a moving product. And with supply chain issues and shipping issues from all around the world, uh, it's a really tough business to be in. I can raise my hand and attest to that because I'm in physical business in two of my companies. Um, but because there's so many people starting in the entrepreneurial space, you have to make sure that it's measured risk. So if you can afford to spend $1,000 and lose $1,000, it's it's worthwhile doing the research, doing the, the, uh, the learning curve about your niche, about what you're looking to do. And as long as it's measured risk, you say, okay, worst case scenario, this thing bombs and falls flat on its face and I lose my money. You have to make sure that that dollar amount, whatever it is, with a thousand, five thousand, hundred thousand, whatever it is, that you can afford to lose it, and it becomes a lesson. It becomes one of your failures that goes into the next step, which is hopefully going to be success. Uh, without failure, you cannot be as successful as you can be. You have to, you have to feel the the, the the sense of failure. You have to taste defeat to know what it feels like to be a true success. And so I always tell people, you know, I've failed ninety nine times been knocked down 99 times, but I've gotten up 100 times. As long as you get up that one extra time in the morning, life is going to be good. And that's where the magic happens. You can force yourself to work through those difficulties. It doesn't have to be an entrepreneurship. It doesn't have to be a, as a business owner. Just as a person, as a parent, as a friend, as a coworker. if you can work through adversity, all of a sudden good things start to happen, and the sun is a little bit brighter, the heat is a little bit warmer, friendships are a little more... Uh, deep and, and uh, rewarding, uh, and good things really do start to happen when you make sure that's how you set up your life. Now, how do you find the radio business? Do you find that your podcasting has changed over the years as such? Well, see, with me, it's a little bit different. It started, I, I always believe that uh, as an educator, and I've been in the educational space for a better part of two and a half decades, Give, 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 ask. So if you have content, which is what my books do, and I write magazine articles, and you know I'm, I'm in that writing space, I like giving people content for free. I mean, you and I are talking today, and maybe there's a couple of gold nuggets that your listeners and your viewers can pull out of this, and it's worth it to me because I'm make, making somebody else's life or business a little bit more rewarding, a little bit more fulfilling, uh, so they can free time up to do the things in life that they want to do. It's not always about work. But with podcasting, it started out, Business Edge Radio was my first show. I had an hour show at a local radio station, and then I did a one-minute show called the Business Edge Minute. started out just with one radio station. 
I get a phone call from a national syndicator saying, hey, I heard the show. This thing needs to be on radio all across the country. So long story short, you fast forward a year, uh, we were in over 100 radio stations that play my one minute, the Business Edge Minute. And it's just simple. It's, here's three reasons why it's important for you to stay hydrated during your working day. Here's five tips on ways that you can maximize your trip, your commute to and from the office instead of just using it as drive time listening to, to music, right? So it's all 60-second, quick-hit things that you can put into use right then, actionable right that very second. Uh, and so that kind of is, is on its own, and that does generate money, and, and I can make a living off that if that's all I wanted to do. The other show that I launched about a year ago is called The Barbecue Radio Show. I love cooking outside. Any, any excuse I can get to come outside and throw a burger on or ribs or brisket or chicken, it doesn't matter, outside in the fresh air with the birds, with the trees. I love that. That's just part of my lifestyle. So I launched a once-a-week, five-minute uh, podcast. It started as a podcast, which then, again, got picked up by a national syndicator, and now we're on radio stations all across the country, plus we get four to 5,000 uh, downloads each week for each new episode. So those are, the, those are things that I love to do. I love business, and I love barbecuing. So I figured out a way to share content for free, and then the, the advertisers, the radio people that buy the 30-second spots and 60-second spots, they're the ones that are generating the revenue that I get a, a percentage of. So, um, But it goes back to making sure you love what you do and you do what you love. Yeah, same as, uh, like I said earlier, same sort of model I've trying to do now because I built my um, station up so that I got one, a couple of episodes I've got a thousand listeners so they offered me to say, oh, would you like to take part in the um, advert program? You may get so much revenue back a month, you know. As I said before, we come on there, it might be like $2 or $1 or $3 and they convert it to English pounds, but yeah, you know, as I say, I'm not going to be a rich millionaire, but last year I earned nearly fifty pound for nothing. I mean, I know that's yeah, not. But, it, but you love it, right? You're sharing exactly. content. You get to talk to some fascinating people, and to you, it's not about trying to generate a living. Um, I'm not trying to generate a living with it either, but it's just part of my fiber. I like to monetize things to justify me spending time because the most important asset that you have and that I have and anybody has is our time and how we spend our time decisions we make on, on what we do with our time, that's the most important decision that we have on a, on a minute-to-minute, day-to-day basis. And I want to make sure, because my time is so valuable, again, being a daddy of three, all three of my kids are home. Right now, all three of my kids are in the bedroom. A couple of them are still sleeping. There are two awake, one sleeping. And after this interview, I'll go hang out with them uh, and finish up our little mini vacation. To me, that's what it's about. So I want to make sure that when I do work, I'm being as efficient as possible, I call it the 24-7 mentality. People laugh at me when I explain my, my uh, philosophy on this. My philosophy is 24 hours a week, seven months a year. So everything I do is set up to only wanting to work 24 hours a week, seven months a year, and then having the rest of that time off to do, do the things in life that I want, whether it be hanging out with my kids, whether it be read a book, whether it be go play in the mud in my garden, whatever it is, I want to have that, that, that location freedom, that time freedom, and I think so many people get stuck in that nine-to-five mentality of trading their time for money, whether it be by the hour or salary. We trade our time for money. I'm done doing that. I don't want to trade my time for money. It's not about that anymore. It's about the quality of the time I have. Um, and I don't know if I have 40 minutes left or 40 years. I don't know. But by golly, I'm going to make sure this moment 
Right now, you and I are having a, a moment, Mark. We're sharing we're sharing part of our lives together. And when this is done, we both move on to a, a new moment. I want to make sure that I maximize every single moment to, 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 to enhance and enrich the people's lives around me uh, and my own life. So when time is done, people look back and say, you know what? It was nice knowing Mitch. He added value to my life. Now, Mitch, now you've obviously done your books. Did you go down the self-publishing route, which I did? Or did you go through a publisher? Uh, to start out, my first three books were with a traditional publisher. But, uh, but what I found is because I know small business, marketing, branding, everything in and out, and I teach it on a college level, uh, I'm a much better marketer than anybody could ever be in the publishing world. So after the first three, I, the last seven I've self-published. Um, you know, at my, at my Business Basics Boot Camp, which was launched right when COVID started, we sold over a quarter million copies of that because I know how to get the book in front of the right people. I know how to generate interest. Uh, my newest book is called Customer Services Dead, delivering six-star service in a one-star world, which uh, was released uh, probably seven, eight months ago. You know, we've sold about 50,000 copies of that already, and it's just now starting to gain some steam. Um, but again, because that's the world I'm in, Branding, marketing, sales, I understand how to make things happen. That's the easy part to me. The hard part is finding time every day to make sure I'm writing content for the books, making sure i cooking breakfast for my seven-year-old and getting her on the bus. Uh, that's why I, I believe in you get up, the first thing you do as part of your morning routine is you make sure you're up before the sun does so you can accomplish more uh, early than most people do. And guess what? By 1.30 or 2 o'clock most days, I'm done working and I can do other things so um, yeah self-publishing to me is, is, is the easier route because I understand the industry now uh, and we publish other authors as well people come to us and they pay us a fee we do the editing we do the cover design we do the marketing we do the listing on KDP we get them in bookstores um, so to me that's the, the easiest way I call it low-hanging fruit <laughs> well, so obviously I've checked all your books I mean but let's talk about the more for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. book which you just mentioned um tell people what would they expect if they went out and bought it today the customer service book yeah well and maybe you agree with me mark uh, to me customer service especially since covid but even before that customer service seems to have really went downhill you agree with me yes whether you go to your favorite restaurant whether it be calling uh, the, your phone company. Last week I tried calling AT&T, which over here is one of the biggest cell phone companies. And they said, because the high volume we're experiencing, we cannot answer your call. Please leave a message and we will return your call within 48 hours. I said, wait, wait, a, what did you just tell me? So I left a message. I still have not received the phone call back from them. And this is AT&T, one of the biggest companies in the world. So when I started going through these frustrations, whether it be the gas station attendant or the, the, the cashier at your local grocery store, what drives me crazy is you go to buy groceries 
And before they even say good morning, how are you, sir? Make eye contact. Do you want a bag today? Can I sell you a bag today? It's like, no, 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 no. Say good morning first. Say hello. How are you, sir? I don't expect a deep conversation. I just want to be shown a little bit of courtesy. That's all I'm asking. But I, that kind of went away because of online. Everything is being pulled online. COVID forced us all to kind of pull back those personal touches. I call them touch points. All the different opportunities that we have to touch a customer's life, they kind of got melted in behind the mask. We couldn't see smiles. We couldn't see grins. Uh, and we lost that personal touch. Well, I believe that, that customer service, that is the silver bullet that can separate any business from other businesses in your in your niche. Um, Ritz-Carlton, they believe in their employees, their bottom-end employees so much. When I say bottom-end, they're still making good money, but the people that are at the front desk, the people that are cleaning the room, they each are given the discretion to spend up to $2,000 a day to fix some kind of a customer experience issue, whether it be I found an ant in my bed, uh, this towel was dirty, um, this is the wrong room, whatever the issue is, right? It doesn't have to be negative. Customer service, people think of that's negative. It can be anything. You know, how can I get an upgraded room? That's a customer service question. So they, they have the discretion to spend up to $2,000 a day to fix an issue with the customer that is right before them at that moment in time. They don't have to go ask the manager. They don't have to ask the boss. They don't have to write up a report. They get to make the decision what is best for the customer right then and there. And then at the end of the day, they tell their boss what they did. And I really believe that if, if small businesses, medium-sized businesses, were to empower their employees more, give them the tools, give them the customer service training that they need to be able to, to take care of a customer and give them the discretion to make decisions without checking with you or checking with the boss, you empower the people. They feel more valued. They feel more respected. And guess what? They're going to do a better job for you, too. And the customer, more importantly, is going to feel appreciated respected and that's how you build not customers but fans for life those people will come back time and time and time again because you treated them with respect you solved their, their problem quickly and efficiently uh, you, you didn't forget that they are the most important part of your business model and a lot of companies have forgotten about that they think that oh I'm just going to pull everything online and that's how I'm going to make my money a digital nomad say, no 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 you still need to figure out ways to take care of that so I, I think it's a book that's it's, it's changing lives like crazy. I have universities that are buying you know 200 books at a time and making required reading for classes on the college level. And that warms my heart. That makes me feel good. It's like, okay, I'm on the right track here. Um, and that's kind of my mission right now is to help businesses, small and large, make sure they're giving their employees proper training so they can take care of the most important thing in their business, the customer. I've also noticed you're saying that most of your books are about business and that. There is one book that isn't. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say. It's called <laughs> Snuggles, Kisses and Hugs. Have a party book. I don't think I see many business people doing that. They may do. <laughs> they may be well people at heart. I don't know. But well, if you notice on the cover, there's two names on there. The first one is Sierra Lynn Grass. That's my seven-year-old. Uh, we wrote that book together. We developed the characters. We named the characters. Each of the characters is, is modeled after a person in our family or one of the two dogs that we have in our family. And so everything from the illustrations to the, the wording to the personality traits, all that was done between both of us. And it was just a great experience for her and I to have. Um, 
And now that it's published, we have three, uh, over the next four or five weeks, we have three different live readings at local libraries in towns around us. So she's going to go in there. She's going to read the book live in front of a bunch of kids, four to eight years old is the target market for this. Uh, she's going to read it, which is great experience for a seven-year-old, right? I mean, how many seven-year-olds get a chance to do that? So, uh, well, I think it's very cool. I think I think it's a it's a, it's important, as as you say. I think you should do all the, like an audio book. Oh, you have done an audio example. Yeah, the audio books on there. Yeah, the audio book is selling like hotcakes. And now and then she says, "Daddy, how much did we make today?" <laughs> so I look at my app and I can tell her. And you know, one day hopefully this is uh, this book uh, becomes a series. Great. If not, it's okay. But hopefully in the future, you know, she can use some of the money that she's going to make from this. Uh, and put it towards her college education or down payment well, of the house it, or whatever uh, she wants to do. So I'm teaching her the value of money as well. Yeah, I think it's very good call. I think it's just important that you've given her the outlook to do this because it's people don't. I think I think people think writing a book is easy. They think, oh, it's just a couple of words and some sentences, and you're all right. No, that's it. That's all you got to do. And I know from experience in writing a book. You can write it, but it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to go out and read it. <laughs> you got to make sure that the content is not just good content. You have to make sure it's entertaining, just like when you're a public speaker. You know, when I go do a, a speech, whether it be a, a Zoom, which a lot of conventions now are on Zoom, or whether I'm in front of a live audience, it can't just be good content. It has to be entertaining. You have to have some giggle effect in there. You have to make people laugh and smile, and that just makes you want to absorb the content that you're teaching. More. And so uh, whenever I'm teaching, the first thing I want to do is I want to get some giggle. I want to get a little bit of giggle. I want people to loosen up, relax, and then you're going to learn whatever I'm going to teach you. So same thing with writing. you got to make sure that uh, there's some entertainment value in there, maybe some giggle effect. And when that happens, then chances are people are going to discover your book and want to read it and want to share it with other people. I do, I do like that idea. As I was saying, because... I like the fact that you obviously you do your barbecue. You're very into barbecuing and me. It's very much a, in my opinion, it's more of an American and Australian thing. We do a lot over here, but we're like we don't we normally have the weather for barbecuing. Right, right. Well, now I live in Oregon. We live in Oregon, the Pacific Northwest. We get rain nine months a year, so we're we're kind of in the uh, the UK uh, uh, realm as far as how much rain we get. A place that we were at yesterday. We're talking to a farmer, they get a hundred inches a year where he's at. Wow. Which is right in the, the coastal range on the coast of Oregon. That's a lot of rain. <laughs> that is a lot of rain, my friend, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, you have other outlets that you like to do. What other things do you do that, obviously, as you say, spend, besides spending time with your family, which is your number one outlet as such? Is there anything else you do like doing that you would like to say change into a podcast or a book or anything along that lines? Well, my my hobbies are wide and varied. I love music. I love playing guitar. Uh, my son is now learning to play guitar, which is fun for me. We get to talk about different artists from when I was growing up, seventies and eighties, which is the kind of music that he likes. I love gardening, so this is an exciting time of year for me because. Um, long get to go out there and I get to plant some seeds in the ground and get dirty and my seven-year-old is enjoying that as well uh, and beyond that I love reading you know every morning like 
this morning, I spent about 90 minutes uh, reading a book. I want to do self-improvement every single day. And so that's been a, a hobby and a passion of mine since when I was a kid. I've, I've kept that going for the last you know 50 plus years. And then beyond that, uh, I love spending time with my kids. I love going to my son's baseball and basketball games. My daughter is a musician. I like going to her concerts, and she's a swimmer and going to her swimming. To me, that's what brings my life value. It's not about working. Like we said earlier, I don't want to trade my time for money. I'm done with that. Now I'm, in a, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to trade my knowledge for some money. Like you write a book, it's hard work. You were right. It's very hard work. You need to have a good editor. You need to have a good cover design. You need to have good... Uh, marketing plan, all those things, all those tentacles go into how much success you're going to have, um, but all those things combined give my life joy. They, they really do. But uh, being 60 years old with a 7-year-old daughter, i got to make sure that I'm not working all the time. I want her to remember me when she's my age, right? I don't have many memories when I was 7 of my dad do you, or my mom. You know, do you, my my, when my you mom did, is still alive, but I can't tell you more than four things that happened when I was seven years old. So I don't want that opportunity to go by. So if I make sure that every day that I can try to create a memory for my kid, that's what I do. Because that's all I'm going to leave is memory. So that's what's important to me anymore. Did you enjoy your time in, in your track and field in America? Because obviously now, I think athletics, it's got more professional, which is obviously is going to go that way. And obviously you've got the confraternity about the transgender issue as well, which is a tricky yeah. one because I don't think it's wrong that anybody should be a man or a woman, but obviously there are going to be slight advantages in the world of certain sports. But and Back when I was running track, uh, it, it was right during the switch over from 400 yards to 400 meters. You remember when the United States tried to go with the rest of the world? And it only lasted for a handful of years. Then we said, no, it's too hard for us. And we went back to our own way of doing things. <laughs> um, and now it's all it's all different. Now it is a world thing. But back then, I ran the 404 yards. That's what started. Well, I was fortunate enough, the last two years of my high school running career, I was uh, All-American. I attended the, the national track meets. And if it weren't for a, a torn hamstring, uh, right before I started college, uh, I probably would have ended up going to the 84 Olympics and, uh, and trying to compete for the Team USA. And unfortunately, when you tear a hamstring and you're a 400-meter runner, a sprinter, uh, that's a very difficult injury because fast twitch muscle fibers is what propels you quickly down the, down the field. So anyway, I turned that into uh, coaching. Uh, I, I used my scholarship instead of running. The head coach said, well, why don't you just keep your scholarship and, and coach the sprinters, which I did for three years. Uh, and then I had another job for two years as a sprint coach for a junior college. Um, and now this season, I'm going to be helping our local high school and junior high, just going out there on a volunteer basis, working with their sprinters, their starting blocks, the baton passes on the relays. And to me, there's lessons in sports that give you such a head start on lessons for life that you can't read from a book. You have to experience success and failure and hard work and dedication and all the things that sports teaches you. Uh, and the other thing that it taught me, and this is something I didn't realize until probably 15 years ago, my goal was to run as fast as I could from point A to point B. That's what you do when you're a sprinter. Go from here to there as quick as you can. Well, I do the same thing in business now. How can I get as fast and efficiently as I can from right where I'm at today to 
where I want to be tomorrow, how can I be there with fewer moving pieces? And so I try to, with my time management, with all the systems that I have in my, my businesses, I break them down to the fewest number of moving pieces and then rebuild those systems with fewer moving pieces. That way they're efficient. I can delegate to other people to do for me, and that frees up my time. There's that magic word again, time. Free up your time to do the things in life that are most important to you, whatever that is. Now, Mitch, you told us at the beginning you was going to tell me the story of why you're Mitch of an E. Okay, that's an interesting story. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm born a Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L, one L. I know a lot of Mitchells are two L's, but I'm a one L Mitchell. That's how I was born. I'm Mitchell Allen Graff. All my birth certificate, all my driver's license, Mitchell Allen Graff. Well, in the seventh grade, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be unique. I didn't want to be the same as other Mitchells. And, and I was a Mitch. I mean, my mom called me Mitch. My dad was from Arkansas, down south here in the U.S. Everything down there is they call you first and middle name. So I was Mitchell Allen. To this day, my relatives in Arkansas still call me Mitchell Allen. But I wanted to be different. So I dropped the L, but I kept the E. So it's Mitch with an E. Silent E. It's not Mitchie. It's not Miche. It's not Mitchie. It's just Mitch with a with an E at the end. So uh, in my mind, it's kind of my that was my way back when I was in seventh grade of branding myself, right? Doing things that are a little bit different that people don't expect that helps you be remembered in the mind of your perfect avatar, which over here an avatar is just your perfect customer. Um, and so to this day, I go by Mitch with an E. <laughs> well, I think it's important because, as I said, I'll tell you why I go by the name Ghostman. Well, basically, some time ago, I had a blood sugar over level of 124. I was taken to ED and then to ICU. I was put in a reduced coma for three weeks. I believe I heard a voice I never heard before or since telling me to wake up. I really believe that was real. I think that was a, my guardian angel. And I believe that whilst I was in those three weeks, I was not here on earth or in heaven. So therefore, technically, I was a ghost. <laughs> so I just thought it'd be yeah, like a new, a new brand. Yeah. A little bit. I didn't hear that last part. You're breaking up just a little bit. I'm sorry. What bit didn't you hear? Oh, I'll tell you the ghost band bit again. Yeah, basically, I had a blood sugar level 1, 2, 4, ED, ICU. Then I heard a woman's voice i never heard before or since telling me to wake up. And when I was in my coma, you're not either in, on this plane or the, the next plane. So technically, I was a ghost. So I thought I'll use that as a brand. Oh, that's why you're ghost man. Yeah. I just thought it was a good way of using it. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it, that, that, everybody has a story how their business came to life, how they named their businesses. Um, I've, I've tried to always keep my business name simple because it doesn't really matter what your name is. Uh, it, 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 what matters is your graphic representation or your logo, how that name is represented, whether it be a graphic design or a font or a color. All those things play uh, a role in value that people have for your brand, whatever you're selling, whatever product or service you're selling. Um, and so I try to keep my things very easy. Barbecue Nation, how much more simple can you get? Nobody had the name, so I'm BBQ Nation. Um, 
My catering company is called G Gourmet Catering and Event. G, I always tell people G stands for good food, great wine, and reasonable company. No, actually, it's just G is for graph. Uh, but I always, I always tell people it stands for other things. Uh, I have a, a dip company called Party Dips. Dips with a Z. Keeping it simple. It's about the logo. It's about the color schemes that we use. And those things I want to stick in people's mind, especially if it's a consumer product, which I have several consumer products. You have to have that shelf appeal. you got to have the colors. you got to have the fonts. you got to have the boldness and the metallic and all that stuff to stand out in a red ocean of other spices and seasonings on a shelf, let's say. You know, like Safeway, our big store over here in the United States, Safeway and Albertsons, uh, they have 50 different brands of spices. Well, how are you going to stand out? It can't be because you have a better spice. It can't be because you have a better rub, because it's probably not true. How do you make people believe that you're a better spice and a better rub? You do that with your shelf appeal and your packaging, um, which goes back to the branding, right? You're Ghost Man. You have a logo. You have a, a, a brand. It's a personal brand that you've built. I have a personal brand. You know, the Mitch Graff is a personal brand. And then each of my companies has their own corporate identity. Um, and I love building brands. That's one of my favorite things in the world to do. I've sold 15 companies in my life. Started them from idea, launched them, scaled them, and sold 15 different ones. I'm in the process of selling two more here in the next 6 to 12 months. I just love doing that. Let's start with a dream and then pass it off to somebody else so they can live their dream as well. So, Mitch, we're coming to the end now. Is there any way you'd like people to go to find out more about you or anything you'd like to mention before we go? Well, for any of the books, you can go to any of your, uh, over in the UK, probably wouldn't have, uh, I think they have a few bookstores that carry them physically, but you can just go to Amazon.com. All my books are listed there, everything from high-voltage branding to the customer service book, the Business Basics Boot Camp, which it really is a, it's an intensive 300-page deep dive into things that you need to know before you launch a business. Or even if you have a business, things that you need to make sure that you're, you're paying attention to. The branding, the sales, the marketing, the pricing, the social media control. That's one of the worst things today is people go down these deep rabbit holes thinking that social media is the answer to their business success. And all they end up doing is spending five to six hours a day scrolling, uh, looking at other people's feeds, which doesn't make your life any better. It's just wasting time. And so they trade their time for scrolling. And to, to be as successful as you potentially can be, you have to learn how to control that. So anyway, all my books are at Amazon.com. Uh, or you just go to Power, P is in Paul, PowerMarketing101.com. Uh, you can learn all about me, and I have all kinds of different things. I have coaching and mentoring, and I have a hot list of books that I have read in my life. Not all business books. They're all different kinds of books. It's called Mitch's Hot List. You can go there and you click on it and it'll take you to Amazon. But that way you can uh, kind of enhance and expand your, your reading library to make you a better person, a better entrepreneur, a better spouse, a better dad or mom, whatever it is. Uh, and that's kind of what my life is about these days. So those are the two places I would direct people for. And you can always tell your young... Uh, is it... I forgot... Sierra, yeah. Lynn, if he ever wants to come on the podcast to promote her book, she can well, um, she's well, well welcome, obviously, with you present, obviously, because of this day and age we live in, there has to be an adult present, blah, 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 blah. But she's more than welcome to come on my podcast, promote her show, and even do a little bit of a book reading. I'm quite happy to share it. <laughs> That'd be fun. Well, Mark, 
thanks for the opportunity to, to talk to your listeners and viewers, and uh, I wish you luck. Oh yeah, and uh, as I would say, Mitch, with an E, I've, I, I had the curse of being called Mark Anthony. And at school, I didn't want to kiss a girl, so I ran away. So that's my little story about why I don't, I didn't like calling being called Mark Anthony for a long time. But I do now, so I'm Mark Anthony, not the Roman. Yeah, not the Roman. But the, the, my my mum was a big fan of Cleopatra, that's all I can say. Oh, gotcha, Mark Anthony. Or I thought it was the singer. <laughs> no, no, no. I have heard of the singer, but I don't like his stuff. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sure he's very good. Anyway, thank you very much, and goodbye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.